We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect. There are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. March 6th, Nick Whalen here with DJ Trainer. You texted me today and said, hey, do you want to record a podcast? I said, yes. You said, all right, come up with three questions. I'll come up with three and we'll ask them to each other. So that's what we're going to do. Except you came up with seven and I came up with two and it was my right. idea to come up so with three. Neither so neither of us follow directions whatsoever. Uh, but we have a collection of questions. I have not seen yours. You have not seen mine except for one that I accidentally told you. Um, we're not going to get through all six or seven of mine. You know, I'll, I'll pick the best three or four that I like. Uh, but let's start with you. Give me your first question. Take away LeBron James from this year's Cavaliers team. Where do they stack up in the East? Absolutely no exposure to LeBron James. It's like he took a sabbatical and wasn't even there for mentorship or anything. Where does this team stack up in the East? So he's just retiring on kind of this is like a jordan situation like the illuminati left they went to the moon for right. a year he he's obviously in the illuminati he is and just took the year off okay so yeah the illuminati is gathering outside of the nba world that makes sense we need to set the scene first 
I have thought about this before, not with the Illuminati sure. caveats and whatnot, but just like where would this team be without LeBron? I mean, this is something that comes up in the context of the MVP conversation. You know, it's, right. let's say, you know, I, I hate to just like keep adding little caveats to this, but like, do they get like a replacement level player or is he just completely gone and they have to, they have to start like Richard Jefferson? I think he's completely gone. He's completely gone. Okay. I think he just has to be completely gone. So yeah, let's just say he gets hurt in the first game of the year. God forbid doing a little cross thing um i like saying that yeah i think the cleveland cavaliers are probably they're fighting for the sixth through ninth spot in the east does that seem fair they're probably a couple games behind atlanta at five they're right in that tier with indiana chicago detroit and maybe a little ahead of miami i completely agree with you i don't think they're any higher than five i don't think they're better than the hawks raptors wizards celtics by any means whatsoever right so we've talked about this a little bit before. Kevin Love had his own team. It was garbage. His teams when he was with Minnesota were not great. He didn't transcend anything. He didn't put the team on his back and take him to the promised land. Same thing with Kyrie Irving. And I know that he was hurt and whatnot, but he had his own team in Cleveland. I know that it was you know, just the rummage of, of post-LeBron, but he had a chance to put a team on his back. You put two of those guys together, a.k.a. like somebody like Anthony Davis and DeMarcus Cousins, you put two guys that haven't proven they've gotten to the playoffs. I don't think they necessarily just get vaulted up into the top. And what LeBron means to this team is so much more than just his play on the court. I think he inspires these role guys, right? So Richard Jefferson shouldn't even be in the league, right? And you can just go down the line, pick all his buddies. James Jones probably is not going to even be in the league. Uh, you know, just go James on. James Jones a- might have been out of the league three years ago right. without LeBron. Exactly. Channing Fry is just like a pivotal piece in this, but be, that's only because LeBron James is on this team. You know, if, if it was only a Kyrie Irving and a Kevin Love team, you wouldn't have half these guys because they would make no sense whatsoever. And so the reason why I'm asking you this question is it's better than just saying, Hey, do you think LeBron James should win MVP? Because when we do this exercise, you start to realize, man, he's incredibly valued to this Cavaliers team. By the way, he's mm-hmm. still the best player in the league. Why aren't we talking about him as MVP just like we are Harden, Westbrook, and now Isaiah Thomas? The Cavs are 0-5 this year without LeBron, and a couple of those have come without Love and Kyrie as well. So there's that. They're 4-19 and without LeBron since he returned to start the 2014 season. And again, some of those have come without LeBron and Kyrie too, so you can pick that apart, but it's clear they're not nearly the same team. Um, we've seen it pretty much every time LeBron rests by himself. Uh, things just kind of go haywire no matter who they're playing. You could kind of make the same argument, though, to be fair to Harden and to be fair to Russ. You just you take Harden off this, you know, this Houston team and you're not replacing him with anybody. They're not a 44-win team right now. You could say the same about San Antonio with Kawhi. Uh, I had that discussion with with Adam on the pod on Thursday. I do think if the guy who loses the how would the team do if you weren't there argument to me is Kawhi, and it's not to take anything away from him individually. It's just that organization, yeah. the coaching staff. Like it's the Brady versus Belichick question. You know, it's like would could Brady win without Belichick? Could Belichick win without Brady? I think you can kind of ask the same thing with, with Popovich in San Antonio. I mean, you still have, and, and on top of that, you still have LaMarcus Aldridge, and you still have a cast yeah. of characters that have won championships, and they know what it takes. And so Kawhi definitely loses that argument. You, you, that really hits home when you talk about James Harden and Russell mm-hmm. Westbrook. Uh, side question, bonus question. Any validity to what Mark Cuban has said and that, that Russell Westbrook should not be in the MVP no. 
now before you answer, let me say, do you understand even just a smidgen of where he's coming from? I think that's the only way we can really talk about what he's saying about. No, I, I mean, I saw the quote yesterday. I haven't really seen the context. Did he? Did he give more context? Uh, he just said, "I still don't view him. I don't. I still don't think he should be in the MVP, dis- MVP discussion." Yada yada. But here, here's here's my perspective where I understand it just a smidgen. I I don't agree whatsoever. I think if you just pinpoint one player on on one of these other bottom seller teams and you said you can go out there and shoot the ball 50 times, you have the green light to do that. I'm not so certain that some random player in the NBA who's above average wouldn't be able to put up amazing stats like this too if he had this ultra mega green light that Russ does. I don't think anybody has ever had a bigger green light than Russ on this year's Thunder team. And if you gave that to somebody else, even like a Damian Lillard, I know he shoots a ton, but if you told him that he can shoot like every other time down the court, he could be putting up triple doubles because he's going to draw double teams. He's going to be able to kick it. You know, just so much has opened up. And so I, I do think there's a smidgen of something that could be talked about when Mark Cuban is criticizing Russell Westbrook. Yeah, I think Cuban, if I remember correctly, he went on to say, you know, 50 wins and you got to win a playoff series to kind of be in that mix, which, as I believe it was Royce Young maybe pointed out on Twitter, uh, by that logic, Dirk Nowitzki wouldn't have qualified when, right. he, when he won his MVP. Yeah. Uh, so I think this is just Cuban, you know, just kind of trolling as Cuban has been known to do. Like, I don't think he is really going to try to make this case against Russell Westbrook. I think the Mavs had just beaten the Thunder last night. Westbrook played one of his worst games of the season. I mean, still statistically he was fine, but just never really able to get it going in a game that I think OKC probably thought it should have won. So there's that kind of context, I guess, to add to the comments. But I mean, Russ is in the debate. That's not that's not really up for debate. Like the fact that we're talking about it right now means he's in the debate and he's going to get first place votes. I like I was telling Adam on Thursday, like I cannot remember. And, you know, I love like awards and things like this more than Mm -hmm. most people. I cannot remember it being this wide open at this point in the year. And I mean, there are four, you could argue there's as many as like six or seven guys who are putting together seasons that would have fairly easily won them an MVP, you know, five, six years ago. And they're all just doing it in one year. Like the, the fact that Isaiah Thomas might finish sixth or seventh in MVP voting like with, the, with the numbers that he's putting up and with the Celtics on pace for 50 plus wins, it's wild. It is wild. What's your question? First question. Okay, first question. Whose loss would impact his team the most if he's out or not 100% for the playoffs? Kevin Love, Kevin Durant, or Kyle Lowry? Kyle Lowry. I, I think that's that's pretty much a given. But if I had to rank them, you know what's funny? I really feel like Kevin Durant's absence means more than well, Kevin depends. Love's. Because... I, I, maybe they've just kind of like leaned on him a little bit too much this year, and we're seeing this. We're seeing this weird like, wow, th- these guys were a lot better back in the day before they had KD, right? You know, we're watching them and like, I, I swear this is the team that you know set the all-time wins record in the regular season, but it just doesn't seem like it. So I think there's this weird like couple-week period when they need to realize like, oh yeah, like we're really really good without mm-hmm. KD, but just for any team, even the best assembled team of all time, you know, there needs to be an adjustment period. So. Based on what I'm seeing right now, I would say that the KD loss means second most, Lowry first, and then Kevin Love the third. Mm-hmm. Although, I, I I, mean, you and I love Kevin Love, and I think we like him a lot more than other people. So I don't want to diminish what he means. I think people are back on Kevin. Kevin Love this year. I think honestly. so. I so think, we don't need like, to forget He was an all-star. Him. He didn't play, obviously, in the all-star game. He was an all-star. He was back. Um, I'm with you. I think you kind of have to look at these all on a different scale. It's like 
you take Lowry away from the Raptors, they might not make it out of the first round. You take Duran and Love away from the Cavs and the Warriors, and it's hard to see them losing in rounds one or two. But come finals time, I if it, if it if the Golden State Warriors and the Cavs make it to the finals, and either Love and you know Love and or Durant are out or not 100. percent I'm with you that KD is the bigger impact because Love might not even play you know more than 25 minutes in some of these finals games as we saw last year you know like he the Cavs need love more in rounds one through three than they need him in round four and I think the Warriors need Kevin Durant in round four than they do more in rounds one through three if that makes sense yeah I think that's fair all right my second question I just came up with a third question that I definitely want to ask you Chris Paul has already said that he's going to re-sign with the Clippers. However, things can change. Things can happen from now until then, especially if you make it through the playoffs. You knock on that door and nobody answers once again. So who should Chris Paul sign with this offseason, in your opinion, Nick? And I'll let you open it up to you can you can factor in money. You can factor in wanting to win a championship. You can factor in whatever you want. But who should he sign with this offseason? I think we want to keep this realistic. You know, like I'm not going to say he should decide with the Warriors or the Cavs. You know, like in terms of well, realistic. Well, the Cavs is a realistic option. I, is I, it, though? I, I mean, he can't just sign there. He can if he it's, wants to take a major pay cut. Yeah, which, I mean, we're talking like major, major, major pay cut. Right. Which I don't think, I mean, that would, I don't think he as the president of the Players Union, like I don't think he can really do that. Like yeah. That would be a really <laughs> sketchy move. Um I don't know. We'll see. I mean, I think it's going to be the Clippers, as he said. It's the it's the one that makes the most sense. Like you can say, man, if they strike out in the playoffs again, but like, where else is he going to go that gives him a better shot than the Clippers? And maybe that's not saying all that much because, again, the Clippers, you know, as of right now, probably aren't going to win the title. But he's not going to go to Houston. He's not going to go to Golden State. He's not going to go to Cleveland. He's probably not going to Boston. I mean, Washington has their point guard. He's not going to go from LA to Toronto if Lowry leaves. Like that's not that's a lateral move at best. You know, like what's what are the other real options? Is San Antonio somehow a dark horse in all this? I don't know. I, I think the Clippers just makes the most sense because there aren't any other real appealing options. Yeah, I I, I get all that, and and I always say you know like the Clippers have put themselves in a great position to to slide in there if things fall their way. It's amazing that they haven't even had an opportunity to play in the finals because this is this is a super team really, combining CP3 and Blake Griffin. I I'm just not on I'm just not there with DeAndre Jordan like everybody else is. But still, combining two two superstar ta- superstar talents like these two guys together, you'd think that you'd have more to show for it. But you just got to keep knocking on the door. Side question again, follow-up question. Would you rather have Isaiah Thomas or Chris Paul on your team for the next two, three years? I think that Chris answer Paul. is clear. Yeah. Chris Paul. And so I don't think that opportunity is going to present itself to Boston, but, I mean, the, the answer is clear, and it would be much easier to make it in the East and the West. I mean, Chris mm-hmm. Paul and the Los Angeles Clippers know that by now. There'd be very little reason for Chris Paul to do this other than title chasing, but would he sign the one-year max like LeBron? You know, and part of the reason LeBron did it, not just to give him flexibility and leverage with the Cavs, it was, you know, waiting for the cap to go up so he could sign the the richest possible long term deal, which he's probably going to do. But like would Chris Paul wait it out, you know, and just kind of go year by year with the Clippers? Because the Clippers don't really have another option. You know, they're not gonna turn Chris Paul away. Well, the thing I one of the reasons why I think LeBron did that is because he wanted to make sure to account for the salary cap rising. Right. That was the definitely the main reason. Definitely the main reason, right? And so 
I think we're kind of done with that with all contracts that are signed, you know, this off season and moving forward are going to be adjusted to this new salary cap, mm-hmm. the inflation, whatever you want to say about right. it. So I don't think there's that need, like maybe there was over these last three or four years when everybody's right. trying to figure things out, by the way, was, was, uh, LeBron James, the only one smart enough to do that or the only one that just had enough power to do that? A little bit of both yeah. and also a, enough, you know, he, he doesn't have the risk that some of these other guys do of signing a one-year deal, rupturing their Achilles and then missing out on the hundred million they yeah. were, they were planning to make the next year. Like LeBron has his money, you know, like, and there's a lot of, there's several players that are probably in a somewhat similar position, but like, I think LeBron you know, his, his, the future and, you know, you talk about like providing for generations and generations, like that's already set. He, he signed the Nike deal. Like the NBA money is like chump change in some ways to him. So I don't think he had the risk that other guys did. I mean, I'm trying to think of an example, like LaMarcus Aldridge, I think did that, didn't like he, he could have signed the one year and then waited it out and cashed in this past summer. And he just decided to sign the long term with the, with the Spurs. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a couple a couple other players did similar things. Not as many as maybe you would have thought when everybody was trying to figure out this right. new because you've got players like Anthony Davis, like um, I'm trying to think. Well, of he had to sign kind of the rookie extension. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. But, you know, there's some players that, you know, had they waited a couple more years, they would right. have gotten paid a lot more. But the risk is much so there, much more so there for right. other players, non LeBron James, because he's in his own class. But yeah, I mean, he LeBron is in one of a handful of players mm-hmm. who make less money on his NBA contract than just his shoe contract right. alone. Yeah, exactly. And I think he's as plugged in as anybody right. to, you know, to, to have the foresight to say, okay, in two years, this is what the cap's going to look like. This is, you'll be making X amount of money. Um, you know, it, I think credit goes to him and his team for, for always being on top of that. Okay, which current lottery team would you bet your life on to make the playoffs next season? So, real quickly, Portland, Dallas, Sacramento, Minnesota, New Orleans, Phoenix, the Lakers, Brooklyn, Orlando, Philly, the Knicks, Charlotte, the Bucks, and the Heat. So, if you were asking this question to a lot of other people but not me, they would be forced to say the Timberwolves, right? Because so many people were so high on the Timberwolves that if you thought they were this going to be this good this year, then they dang sure better well say the Timberwolves. Well, yeah, this I mean, I see, around, where right? you're, I see where you're coming from, but obviously you could adjust for how this season has turned out. I, yeah, if you want to. But, uh, okay, I mean, all the players are still there. They should be one right. year better than they were this year. So, if anything, those people, you know, any, I, I get it. They can adjust. I'm not going to say the Timberwolves because I've never been on that bandwagon. I'm going to go with the Bucks, and I'm not just uh, – playing to you know our audience outside the office here who are all bucks fans in our madison wisconsin office i think can that they hear us out there i hope I, they can't hear us I, they hear us when we start arguing and get really loud i think but otherwise not so much i think they do actually i uh, mean this bucks team could still make the playoffs this year yeah. and they're way less than 100 percent um it still does feel like a team that's trending upward when you get caught up in the up and downs within a season it's hard to see that but the bucks over the last few years still are trending upward if and when, and we're all hoping and just mm-hmm. assuming that you know they'll be at full strength heading into next season, or actually they won't. Freaking Jabari is out for a long time, man. Freaking Jabari, freaking Jabari. I forgot about that. That that changes it a little bit. But yes. Wow. And Beasley, is free agent <laughs> this summer. Ah, uh, that does change it. I have to bet my whole life. Is that my what whole you life? Said? Not yeah, your entire life. 
I, I'm not I'm not even gonna go with the Timberwolves. I don't think okay. I can do it. I think I would say See when sh- your life is on the line, I know it really makes you think. Yeah. Every question should have that caveat. I'll I'll say the Trailblazers because I still think they have a lot of assets okay. to work with. They could make one trade and they could solidify themselves as like a five six seed in the West heading into next year. Yeah. So uh, it may seem like a cop out since they're one game out of the A seed right no, now, fair. but they've struggled this year. I'll say the Trailblazers. I think the key is to look at the current standings and say how many of these teams aren't going to be in the playoffs next year. And you look in the East, I think the top four, Cleveland, Boston, Washington, Toronto. Even if Lowry leaves, it's hard to see Toronto falling that far uh, with as well as DeRozan's played. Indiana, barring a rebuild, which is very much in play, uh, I think they're probably in. Like Chicago, Detroit, Atlanta, to me, could all drop out. So I think you have to pick an Eastern Conference team because you look in the West and – so Utah's not going anywhere. Houston's not going anywhere. Golden State, San Antonio certainly aren't going anywhere. It doesn't look like the Clippers are blowing anything up. Memphis is Memphis, and every year we look stupid for saying they're finally gonna their age is gonna catch up to them. Although at some point it has to. Mm-hmm. OKC, you know, maybe they've overachieved a little bit with Russ doing what he is, but I think they've they've they have a nice a nice enough track record to prove that they're at least gonna make an attempt to to get to do what they can to improve this roster. Mm-hmm. So like there's really only like one or two spots in the West to me that are maybe up for grabs next year. Uh, if I had to choose a West team, I would go with Portland. I think Dallas and Sacramento on, are on more long-term trajectory. New Orleans just doesn't have the flexibility to put much around their, their big two and a half right now. The Suns and the Lakers are still too far off. Minnesota's kind of that wild card. But in the East, I mean, even without Jabari, if, if Giannis takes another step next year, and you you know you add a a mid lottery pick to that roster, they could be appealing. You know the Sixers, if crossing both of my fingers here, wow. if that Ben Simmons impressive. and Joel Embiid play next season, they could look a lot different. Um, I mean, even Miami. Miami's only two, one and a half back of Detroit right now, and this roster is basically half D leaguers. Okay, next question for me. Okay um let's see okay this is the one that you've seen but i want to make sure we do this so i'm going to say it right now who is the best american-born white player in the nba not named gordon hayward and i have to follow that up with another stipulation also not named kevin love because i forgot about kevin love because he's hurt when i made the question so the best white american-born nba player not named gordon hayward and not named Kevin Love. So we talked about this before the pod, like you said, and I was like, oh gosh, this question, you know. And then you know, I was just like looking at the depth charts, and then I was like, oh, oh, wait, no, Dirk doesn't qualify. And then I was just going down. I was like, do, do the Lopez brothers qualify? Maybe, maybe half they Cuban don't. doesn't count. Half Cuban. So by the parameters of your question, Nick, uh, it doesn't work, you know. And and you start going through these this list, and it's like wow, this is a hard list to come up with. And you start realizing that the Zellers are probably in the top 10. Frank Kamitsky is probably in the top 10 of this conversation. Um, I think, you know, some the top answers for this question are probably like Ryan Anderson would be one. Um, it's a real like look yourself in the mirror moment for us as white people. Like we got to do better. <laughs> yeah. So I, 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 I don't know. I, so Ryan Anderson, I think is a good one. Ryan he's Anderson he's is in the top five. I think you have to look at the center position because, I mean, there's no point guards. <laughs> That's Sh- where you're really going to get your meat yeah. and potatoes, white Shooting guys. Guard, like Tyler JJ John- Reddick's in the JJ top five. JJ Reddick, Kyle Korver, Ty- Tyler Johnson out in Miami. Um, I mean, Kelly there's Olenek a lot doesn't really... even qualify. He's a Canadian. Yes, correct. There's a lot of 
really good foreign white guys. Right. You know, Jokic, Porzingis. Jokic doesn't count by, Nowitzki, this, by the standards of this question. Like, is Mason Plumley in the top three? Maybe. I think, like you said, Tyler Johnson's not a bad one. I mean, is it Auskis? No, hopefully well, not. he has to be in the conversation just because there's just not much to work with. Doug McDermott is somebody that we tossed around before the pod. It's a shame that uh, Huertas isn't American. Did he you say TJ McConnell? I didn't. The cockroach. Strategically did not say that. Um, um, Sam Decker? Sam Decker. We're just like naming guy. all the white players. But we're almost, we're done. <laughs> you know, like we're done. Corver, we named, Kyle Corver. Yeah, we said Kyle Corver. Let me, just, let me sort by a three point percentage. Oh, yeah. here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff Withy, John Luer. Yeah, um, it's a sad list. Jason Smith. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting for a league that, gosh, probably started out as like all white American born to the point where we named them all in a span of forty five yeah. seconds. It's 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 interesting for sure. Yeah, I mean, I was I'm trying to. Uh, unfortunately, Basketball Reference doesn't have a good way to figure this out. Um, racial filters are yet to be implemented. Slippery but, slope. Nick. I mean, American born white players to be. To be all stars, there's just not very many at all. I mean, you have Love. We had Hayward this year. You start looking back, and you got to you got to like really start getting into like the 70s and the 80s. I mean, you had Chris Mullen, Mark Price, Larry Bird, uh, Larry Bird, John Stockton was the yep. one that I was going to say Steve Nash, but oh, psych Canadian, Canadian, yep. yeah. All right, next question for you. That question is really interesting. Like mm-hmm. that's the probably the takeaway that we're going to be seeing down. And be like, wow, that just thinking about that question yeah. and how interesting it is. Who's the player that's on nobody's radar right now? Okay, maybe some people's, but just for the most part, is on nobody's radar that will be an all-star one day. Mm. So, you know, this is like your Kawhi Leonard, Kyle Lowry, Jimmy Butler award. Do you want like a prospect or a current NBA player? Anybody. Who, oh, well, who if okay. you, again, like if you had to bet your life on somebody who's really not on anybody's radar right now to make an all-star at some point in their career, all-star team, who would it be? And so like I'm... Mm. Again, nobody's radar. So these these guys that are trending upward, like Jokic, don't count. No. Jokic is on everybody's radar. But you know, who's bench fodder right now? Who's just seeing rotational minutes that one day is going to step into the limelight and and really be a, a legitimate guy on a legitimate team? Interesting. That's a good question. I just last night I watched the the thirty for thirty on Vlade Divac and Drazen Petrovic and that whole that whole team and the circumstances around Petrovic's death and. I hadn't seen it before, and it, Petrovic is basically, I think, that guy. Like he, it reminded me like so much of Mario Hazonia right now. I think he was Petrovic. Obviously, has ended up being better than Hazonia despite his career being cut short. But he played, I think, two or two and a half years in Portland, barely played. You know, showed a few flashes. Goes to New Jersey and averages twenty points per game two straight years. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, there it it happens. It's going, there's somebody. There's probably two or three guys in the league right now who eventually are going to reach levels we never thought. I mean, I think Jimmy Butler is probably the modern blueprint, right, for somebody taking that kind of leap. Um, hmm. I mean, so many of the candidates are. You know, it's like I'm not going to say Brandon Ingram. He's on people's radars. Yeah, he doesn't count. I think you, you have to be young enough that you can still blossom. Like you know, you can't say like a like a Wilson Chandler guy is like somebody I've always loved, but he's he's not going to get any better. You know, or right. notice will be better to the point where he'll be an all star. Keeping in mm. mind, your life is on the line. My life is on the line. No, yeah. trust me, I I know. Norman Powell's interesting. Yeah. I don't think he's quite that good, though. He he does work in min- minimal time. Mm-hmm. He he does work. I want to. I'm going to pull up his per thirty six. 
16 points, four and a half rebounds, two and a half assists, 1.4 in, in per 36. He just doesn't see enough time on the court, but right. he would light it up. I, you can make an argument that he's actually better than Terrence Ross, and Terrence Ross is doing very yeah. well in major minutes in Orlando right now. Yeah, I mean, I think the key, too, is to look for someone who – it often happens on a good team who, like, can play make enough that if they were in a different situation would immediately make a big leap mm-hmm. you know you can't you can't just be someone who's like oh he's having a nice year from three it's like you know right. how many how many threes are you gonna take so like ennis Cantor and Derek favors were behind paul Millsap yeah. and l jefferson for a long time exactly and it got to the point where it was ridiculous but like you know that, that they were good candidates for this mm-hmm. at, at one point uh, a ways back yeah um I still am not out on Alec Burks. If he's healthy, there you go. That's a good one. I think he could be really, really good somewhere. You know, Rodney Hood. He's probably a little bit too relevant for this. T.J. Warren's probably in that category as well. Too much exposure this year. He yeah. starts and sees major minutes. I mean, Nerlens Noel. I think he's certainly on people's radar. Maybe not for the right reasons with with the trade and whatnot, but like. I think he was like woefully misused and underused in Philadelphia. That's fair. He's on people's radar. Yeah. I thought I really thought you'd say Tyler Eulis after last night's performance. Ooh. No? I mean not there? No. Okay. No. I mean he he could be a decent player, I guess, but I just I don't think he like really, really has it. Alan Williams, last he's been playing very well. Has yeah, they benched Tyson? Johnny Jones? O'Brien had 15 points okay, the other day. Get out of here! You're J-O-B. not taking this. Just signed another 10-day contract. I'll I'll throw out some names for you. Uh, Bebe Lucas Nogueira out in Toronto uh, is somebody that has impressed in limited minutes. That maybe if the way was cleared for him, um, uh, Kyle Anderson is somebody I've thrown around. You know, slow mo. I'd be interested to see what he could do in major minutes and outside of the Spurs organization. And then there was one more that I that I brought up, and now I'm, of course... Oh, Demonis Sabonis. He's a rookie, mm. just tossing the fire, I think, ideally on, you know... Does he have, like, a six PER right now? Yeah. It's I, not good. I'm assuming it's not great, but... I mean, he coming from Gonzaga to starting in the NBA is a big transition. I know Gonzaga has traditionally been uh, one of the best mid-major teams, but this is just a whole nother world for mm-hmm. him. Like, I can understand it if, you know, you come from Kentucky or, like, any Big Ten school or, you know, the major conferences, just because the fanfare and everything rap- involved around it and, and the opposition. Like, Gonzaga's out there playing in, in arenas or stadiums with, like, less than 3,000 people in it on a right. ni- nightly basis. So I think that, you know, maybe all this pressure and this uh, – this responsibility that was just thrown on him, you know, is swallowing him right now. But down the line, when he gets a deal for it, he could be a very good power forward yeah. in this league. So that would be my kind of three sure. names that I toss out there for this question. Um, all right, well, do you want to do like one or two more? Let's do a couple more. I, okay. I thought of another one, and then I'll, I'll just have one more, okay. and then however many more you want to throw at me. Who's the second best player in the Eastern Conference? Wow. Second best player. Again, as a reminder, we have not seen these questions before. Except for only one of them. Except for only one of them. I think the second best player in the Eastern Conference. Oh, man. It's really easy to say Isaiah Thomas, but I'm not going to. I think things are, I'm going to use this word, tough. It, are magical right now in Boston. I, they couldn't be going any better. They just couldn't with the personnel they have. 
Um, we can get into a massive discussion about, you know, they probably need to move on because I, I literally think they're playing at their ceiling right now with who they have. So I'm not going to say Isaiah Thomas. Um, I'll just toss out all the names. John Wall, uh, Kyle Lowry, DeMar DeRozan, Paul George should have been the answer to this question. You know, oh, I guess he would have been a couple years ago. Jimmy Butler, Giannis, Hassan Whiteside, I guess, Carmelo, Kristaps, Joel Embiid, and that's about it. I'm going to go with Giannis. Okay. And that's tough because I think he's going to be even an even better player in the next couple of years, like even take another leap and another bound mm-hmm. over the next couple of years. And then I'd probably go. I want best player right now. Like if you're starting Jimmy a team Butler. going forward, then it's Giannis for sure. Yeah. But so, best second best player in the East right now. Uh, gun to my head, Jimmy Butler. Okay. I think that's who I would go with too. Okay. I think John Wall's in the in consideration, DeMar sure. DeRozan. There there are really six or seven guys you could make a pretty good case for. None of them are on the LeBron level, though. And I think that goes without saying. But Thomas, Wall, DeRozan, George, Lowry, Butler, Lowry. Lowry, and Giannis, Giannis are probably all. I think that that's one tier below that. I mean, we haven't even mentioned Porzingis or Embiid. They're probably still a couple years away. You know, you have Melo who's still, you know, he was an all-star, deservingly or not. Paul Millsap, Brad Beal. I think, yeah, no, it's 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 Jimmy Butler, I would yeah. say. John Wall is is probably underrated at this point. I know you like to you like to focus on the all-stars who are actually underrated, and Carmelo is one of those. John Wall is one of those. You know, Kevin Love, up until maybe right now, has, has been one of those guys. That's a great question. Uh, my question to you is, I kind of think Sam Hinkie is more respected right now today than he ever has been at any point during this process. And, you know, let's not forget that the Sixers really struggled to get the optimal picks when they went into the lottery. And they came out with Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, Dario Saric. You know, they traded and, you know, you can maybe they didn't make the right move on Nerlens Noel, but they still had a decent piece to work with and all this stuff, right? I'm not so certain that I'm out on the process. I think it can work for certain franchises and, and certain teams. Who's the best candidate in the league right now that should seriously consider taking on the process 2.0 and hiring Sam Hinkie? Are we assuming that he's going to do the same thing? We're assuming that he's going to take the exact same model, move it over to a new organization, and then you could certainly make the argument that there's no way that they're going to get gypped like they have, like Philadelphia did in the lottery for multiple, multiple years. You know, really, that was like, I don't want to say worst case scenario for the 76ers, but in terms of lottery balls, it was, mm-hmm. you know, it was about as bad as you could have hoped for, for a team that should have had multiple first, you know, first overall picks. So ideally, I think this, the process, this process could work at a different franchise. So who's the team that really should be kicking the tires on hiring Sam Hinkie? So the Sixers were a 34-win team in 2012-13. They had won 35 games in the lockout season the year before. You can prorate that. It would be something like 46 or 47 wins. So it's not like he stepped in and they were bad and he made them worse. Like They made an effort, as has been well chronicled, to be a bad team. I mean, it would be the, it's not like he took over you know, the 12-win nets or something like that. You know, he he took over a team that was considered to be a kind of at a crossroads, you know, same situation that, uh, I don't know, I mean, the Knicks are kind of like the Magic are kind of in that right now. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the Magic are probably my answer. Magic, you don't, really? You don't, have a, you don't have many assets. You have a pick. You have Aaron Gordon. You have Alfred Payton if he still has value. Same with Mario Hazonia. 
and that's about it. You know, you got Bayumbo locked up for a while on what looks like a kind of a bad deal, even though the money's not all that bad. Um, like that's to me is like the project that might take the biggest overhaul to turn around. Um, maybe besides Brooklyn, just be, but Brooklyn's in its own unique situation that, that it, it got itself in with the KG and the Pierce deals. Um, so yeah, I mean, Orlando, I guess I, I think that's not something that they would do because they so desperately want to get back to the playoffs that they wouldn't postpone it by another five years. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I could see that. I think that's, that's a GM job that could very easily open up. Um, that's a good answer. That That's one that I yeah. hadn't thought of, but you're right. It, it's weird because they obviously put the pressure on the, the owners, put the pressure on the front office to win now, make the playoffs. And you saw that by them bringing in Ibaka. Mm. I think you know, Memphis everybody. would be interesting. I don't think they would ever do it, mm. but they're a team that I, they've like built up the goodwill over the last decade of being really good that I think people would understand when it's time to move on from this core that, you know, I think Randolph and Allen will move on first a couple of years later probably Gasol and Conley, you know, and at that point, I think that fan base would understand it's time to overhaul. Yeah. So there's two candidates for me. The first is the Kings. And I think you actually have a situation where Hinky would say, no, I don't actually want it. Cause he just wouldn't have a lot to work with. They already have a lot of their picks are just, are kind of gone. But then there, there'd also be that maybe that side of him that would say, if I can turn around the Kings, then I'm going to be, you know, heralded as one of the best GMs of all time taking this. So maybe it's a personal challenge for him. The other one that may, might surprise you and our listeners is I think Dallas needs to seri- seriously consider something like this. If they think that a combination of Wes Matthews and Harrison Barnes and now you can toss in Nerlens Noel is going to be the answer to get them over the hump of even like the sixth seed in the West, then they're fooling themselves. You know, it's it's just I don't think it's going to work out. And so if you want to play that game, go ahead and do it where you flirt with the seventh seed, you fall out of the playoffs one year, flirt with the sixth seed, fall out of the playoffs the next year. I think that's what they're destined for over the next five to six seasons. And really, if you could tell me that, in, you know, in that sixth season, they'd be poising themselves for winning a championship or something like that instead of just, oh, wow, we really teetered from this six to nine seed for the last four years. I think that's something that needs to be seriously considered. Um, so that'd be the team for me that, like, that it just makes – it makes some sense. I think they plan on getting a big time asset in this draft, you know, to build right. around. So like they, yeah. to them, Barnes and, and Matthews, whether they opt to keep but him or not, are like, are not, they're like they're, one and two. They're two games out of the playoffs right now. Yeah. The Nuggets who have absolutely no experience holding on to this, no playoff experience. You know, if, if you could pick any team to follow, it'd be the Nuggets. The trailblazers are right there too. They're locked up. I mean, I think they're going to push for that playoff spot, and I don't. I don't know that that's a good thing. Mm. At one point, we're all like, "Oh, congratulations, Mark Cuban and the and the Mavericks. You're you're just going to let it go and just fade down the standings." That hasn't actually happened, even though they kind of submitted themselves to it. You know, only a few weeks ago. Funny enough, right? Yeah, the Mavericks are in an odd spot because uh, they don't they don't have like the Kobe retirement tour going, but like they they owe it to Dirk to win as many games as they can Dirk, and Dirk's been good. Like Dirk City's coming back next year, right. which again it delays your timeline another year. Dirk doesn't kill you like Kobe though. Like right. Dirk is not making that's fair twenty five million dollars a year, which I mean the Kobe contract the Kobe contract is not talked about enough as like he basically I mean that, that went a long way in like putting the Lakers where they are now and like losing multiple people their jobs. Yes. That definitely but that's is. that's just Kobe. Last question. All right, last question. Who's your leader right now for most improved player of the year? A lot of candidates. A lot of candidates. I think Giannis should be 
uh, one of the guys that discussed mm-hmm. not only here on this pod, but the issue uh, with him is like, is he was he too good at the end of last year? I, I get that, but I mean, he went from not being in the All Star conversation to being a starter in the All Star mm-hmm. game. Like, just that's all you really need to know, right? It's pretty tough to be a starter for your in your first All Star appearance. Yes, <laughs> yeah, not, exactly. that many, not many people do that. It's it was his first, yeah, first. And what's funny is he can get even better. I think he is certainly in the race. Uh, Gordon, Eric Gordon, out in Houston, of course, uh, needs to be in the race. He went from, you know, what's funny is that his his stats really haven't improved that much. 15 points to 17, and then 2.5 to 3.5 three-pointers, which I know one, one whole three-pointer is a lot, but uh, he's somebody who, pe- you know, people are talking about. You had some people in mind, so who else am I forgetting? But those would be my top two. I think the biggest, the, the two that I've heard the most are Giannis and Jokic. Oh, Jokic. Yeah, sure. It, well, yeah, Jokic is a tough one. I mean, yeah, if if we're going to say that, then he definitely – I mean, if I we're going to say that about Giannis, then we need to say that about Jokic yeah. too because Jokic, if we vote on the All-Stars, he'd be in the All-Star game right now. Right. And I think there's a case probably for Isaiah Thomas improving from fringe All-Star to definitely an All-Star. Yeah. Um, you know, for the first, like, month and a half, DeRozan had a had a case, but I think he's been too good in the past. Avery Bradley also in the first Avery month Bradley of the season. Avery Bradley would be in my top five he, for sure. In fact, I think we did this a quarter away into the season, and mm-hmm. we agreed that Avery Bradley yeah. was the most If he didn't get player. hurt, he would probably be in the top three or four. Mm-hmm. Someone, someone made the argument to me that him getting healthy was the best free agent acquisition, or not free agent, but the best trade, you know, quote-unquote trade acquisition, or acquisition, I should say near the deadline mm. and i heard somebody say that about russell west russell westbrook a couple years ago when he was hurt and you know it's like we're not going to trade for anybody sam Presti's saying this we're we're acquiring the best guy that's been unavailable for the first half of the yeah. season and i and i do kind of feel that way about boston but again i just don't think that they're, they're operating as, as high as they possibly can right now any any other candidates for most improved that i'm forgetting i'm sure there's one or two that people are yelling out as we do this harrison um, barnes by yeah. definition would have to be in this yeah but. And a lot of seasons he probably would be because he he fits the mold of player you know in drastically different role who's averaging nine more points per game yeah like his numbers look a lot better yeah i don't know i think we've probably hit on most of them Otto porter should get some oh, love yeah. i don't know if he's done quite enough i think it's Giannis and Jokic. i think one of those two has to win it right yep I- i'm right there and i'd be happy if either one did mm-hmm. um those guys are going to be locked up in the all-star games moving forward so i you know They'll take this award and take this award running and move on to bigger, better things. But I think those would probably be the top two candidates for me. And um, I don't Anything care else? who wins. Yeah, I don't. I don't care who wins. I like either. I care very, very much. So my last question to you is: Do you care? And the answer is yeah, very, very much. I do.